Thank you for joining us in worship, and if you're online or in our overflow room, thank you for joining us as well. About three years ago, there was a uh, very controversial video that began to make its way around the internet. This video caused lots of fights. Uh, turns out that that half of the population held very uh, one very strong opinion about this video. Uh, and the other half of the population held an equally strong but exactly opposite opinion about this video. And, and the thing about this particular video is that it caused fights among people who normally agree on most issues. So among family members, there were fights. Husbands and wives disagreed. Parents and children, siblings all disagreed over this video. People who are part of the same political party. And normally agree on fiscal issues and social issues and legislative agendas. They disagreed over the content of this video. Even people who attend the same church and who agree on the big issues like God and salvation and Jesus disagreed over this video. So what is this controversial, fight-causing, you know, highly divisive video? It is a video featuring... A computer-generated voice. Almost exactly half of the population, when they hear this voice, hear the word Yanny. The other half of the population hears the word Laurel. Now, I'm not going to play this for you this morning. If you've not heard this before, go home, look it up. You can find it. I don't want to cause a fight here in church this morning, but I will tell you this. Last week, I pulled this video up on my computer and I asked Kaylee Heap, who works in our office, whose office is right across from mine. I asked her to come to my office and I said, I want you to tell me what you hear. And then I pushed play and this computer generated voice said, Yanny. And she looked at me with a straight face and said, Laurel. <laughs> and then three seconds later, it clearly said Yanny. And she said, clearly, Laurel. Three seconds later, it said, absolutely, Yanny. And she looked at me and said, absolutely, Laurel. Now, I've read that the reason people hear this voice differently has to do something with the frequency at which we hear sounds. And so some people hear at a higher frequency and some hear at a lower. And that's the difference. That's one explanation. I think the more logical explanation is that it's a conspiracy amongst all the Laurel people to make us Yanny folks think we're crazy because clearly it is Yanny. So the passage that Keith read earlier is one that is very familiar to us. It's one that we love to hear at Christmas time. The shepherds are in their field at night. The angels come with this message. A Savior has been born to you. They rush off to Bethlehem. There they find Jesus. It's one that is nostalgic. It is one that is featured in every nativity scene that I have ever witnessed. There's always Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And there are the shepherds with two or three sheep in tow. It is one that we love. It's a picture that we really like. And it's one where we tend to view the shepherds as these kindly old men with nicely groomed beards who just got into the career of shepherding because they love sheep and they love the outdoors. However, when Luke first wrote these words and his story began to make its way into the Jewish world and then into the Roman world, people were absolutely shocked that the first announcement of the birth of the Savior 
was made to shepherds. Shepherds were not highly regarded in that day for a couple of reasons. One was they just didn't go to church or more specifically, they did not go to temple and worship and sacrifice and perform their religious duties because shepherding was a 24-7 job. And to leave their sheep, practically speaking, was just not possible. The other reason is that shepherds were considered to be less than trustworthy. They were a dishonest group. They were known to let, let their sheep graze at night onto a farmer's land, eat half his crops, and then get out of there before the sun came up. Or they might go past a farm, and if a shepherd had 30 sheep, he might acquire a few more and just hope that nobody noticed that the next day he had 40 sheep. They were just not considered to be a trustworthy group. It's one of the reasons that when Jesus talked about himself as a shepherd, he clarified that and said, I am the good shepherd. Shepherds were not thought of as good. And so it was shocking that that these angels came to shepherds. And I love this part of the Christmas story because right out of the gate, God here through this act is proclaiming what Jesus would make very clear later in his, in his ministry when he said, I did not come for the righteous, but for sinners. This message did not come to the high priest or those who were religious in Jerusalem. It came to lowly, sinful shepherds, which means if you're here today and you're perfect, the Christmas story is not for you. If you've never sinned, you don't need Jesus. But if you're here today and you know what it's like to sin, to really blow it, to feel like an outcast, to feel like someone who has not followed all of the rules, then the Christmas story and the message of the angels is meant for you and it's meant for me. So here was the message that came to the angels that night, it, it, or to the shepherds that night. It came to the shepherds from these angels in two different ways. The first was one angel. One angel who showed up, and the text tells us this one angel suddenly appeared at night to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, Luke doesn't describe the angel, but we can imagine what the glory of the Lord was like. A lot of light. These shepherds probably just instinctively knew that suddenly they were in a holy place. The air was thick with the presence of God. And Luke tells us that they were afraid, not just because an angel was in their presence, but because these lowly, sinful shepherds suddenly found themselves in the presence of God. And so this angel comes and the angel gives this message to the shepherds. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the long anticipated Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the first part of their message was this, that today in the town of David, the town of David was Bethlehem. In that day, Bethlehem was not much. It was just this bedroom community about five miles outside of Jerusalem. Nobody really thought much about Bethlehem. It was just this sort of one stoplight little town. Uh, in fact, in Bethlehem, the only thing they had going for them was the most famous king in all of Israel was from Bethlehem. 2,000 years ago, if you had 
entered on the main road into the little town of Bethlehem, a sign would have greeted you that read, Welcome to Bethlehem, home of King David. But other than that, there just wasn't much there. And so these shepherds are in this field just outside of the town of Bethlehem. And the angel says, go into town and there you will find a Savior who has been born. And here's the sign. He'll be wrapped in cloths, which was not unusual. A newborn baby would be wrapped in cloths to keep him warm, to keep him uh, secure. And he will be lying in a manger. If you want to identify which baby it is that is the Savior, it's easy. He will be in a feeding trough, an animal's feeding trough. There was no room for him anywhere in the house, anywhere in the end. He was born in a barn. That's where you will find Jesus. That's the first part of the message from this angel to the shepherds. A Savior has been born in Bethlehem. Here's the second part. Verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Perhaps the most interesting word in this passage is that very first one. Suddenly. Meaning there was one angel there talking to the shepherds, no angels in the sky, and then all of a sudden angels were everywhere. They filled the sky. There was not a square inch of the sky where there wasn't an angel. A a great company was not 50 or 150 or 1500. A great company was all the angels. I have no scripture to prove this, but I would bet that that night every single angel in all of creation showed up to make that announcement. None of them wanted to be left out of this great event to be able to come and proclaim the birth of Jesus. And, and, and here's what they say. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, if you've ever read the King James version of this, you know that it says glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That is not a good translation. It's one we like. It's one that's very familiar to us. If you've ever watched the Christmas uh, peanut special, that's the version that Linus reads. We like that version, but it's not the most accurate version because that version implies that Jesus came to bring peace on earth and goodwill between men. In fact, when I read that version, I think about World War One. And what was called the Christmas Truce of World War I. In 1914, German troops began to make their way across Belgium and into France. They were stopped just outside of Paris by French and British troops. The German troops retreated. They dug trenches. They set up their battle line there. The uh, French and British troops did the same, dug in trenches. And for four months, these forces fought But neither side gained any ground. It was just a stalemate. Germans on one side, British and French on the other. A no man's land in between where all these dead bodies lay. And neither side gained any ground. On Christmas Eve, 1914, these opposing forces called a temporary truce to celebrate Christmas. A hundred thousand soldiers laid down their arms and fired no bullets. 
That night, German troops began to sing a Christmas carol. The French and British troops on the other side heard them sing. And once they finished, they began to sing. They went back and forth all night until at one point, all the troops were singing, O come all ye faithful. The next morning, Christmas morning, troops emerged from their trenches and they met there in no man's land. A soccer game broke out. These soldiers played soccer against each other. They traded gifts. They traded different trinkets and cigarettes and drinks and different items. And then they went back. And that truce represented a peace on earth and a goodwill among men. These opposing forces laid down their arms for Christmas. The only problem is on December 26th, guess what happened? The bullets started flying again. And the war raged on. It was only a temporary truce. If the message of the angels was peace on earth and peace among men, then the angels lied. Because since that night, there have been thousands of wars and countless acts of violence between men. That's not what the angels came to proclaim. They did not come to say, Jesus is born in Bethlehem so that everybody will get along. The message they came and proclaimed was this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Meaning God has sent his son into this world to grow up and die on a cross and take on the punishment for our sin so that all who place their faith in Christ can have peace, not amongst fellow man, but peace with God. And the hostility, hostility that exists between us and God because of our sin, Jesus Christ was born to bridge that gap. That's the message of the angels. Now, here's what's puzzling to me. It's very puzzling to me that two people can hear this computer-generated voice, and they hear two completely different things. But what is more puzzling to me, far more puzzling to me, is that two people can hear the message of these angels and hear different things. Some people don't hear. Some people hear the wrong thing. Some people choose to hear something different. How is it that it's the same message by the same angels about the same Savior, and yet we hear different things. I think in our culture, there are essentially three responses to this message of the angels. This is on your message map if you've got it with you. Uh, the first response to the message of the angels is that some don't hear the message, or they hear and they reject. Uh, to see the person in the Christmas story who best personifies this, we have to go back to the beginning of Luke's story where he writes about King Herod. And he says that all of this happened in the time of King Herod of Judea. Now, we will look at this character more next week, but let's just say for now that King Herod was someone who definitely rejected the message of the angels. There are those in our culture who reject. And my guess is there are some of you in here and you wouldn't say that you've rejected the message of the angels, but you're struggling with it. And you're just not quite there. And maybe you're here today because you're trying to figure it out, 
or you're exploring, but for you, the hang-up is you just want proof. You want proof before you commit to this whole Jesus thing. And let me say to you this, I appreciate that. I'm someone who likes evidence. I like facts. I like dealing with evidence. However, when it comes to the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus, there is this faith element involved that goes beyond proof. And there is no way that I can ever scientifically prove to you with a telescope or a microscope or in a lab that the message of the angels is true and that faith in Christ is what it takes for salvation. There are mounds of evidence for the resurrection and there's lots of evidence for the birth of Christ, but there's no way I can take and prove to you that faith in Christ is what is is required for salvation. However, the best things in life, we can't prove. There are lots of things in your life that you cannot prove. Prove to me that you love your spouse. Prove to me that you love your children. You may say, well, look, I tell them that I love them all the time. Sure, but you might be lying. Uh, you may say, yeah, I can, I can prove to you that I love my children. Look at all the money I spend on my children. Sure, but maybe you have an ulterior motive. You're hoping that they'll grow up and they'll become wealthy and they'll turn around and support you. Good luck with that. Huh? There's no way for you to prove that. You can't prove your love for someone else. And yet, I would tell you, it's very real. Your inability to prove it does not lessen your love for your spouse, or your children, or your parents, or anyone else. Prove to me that something is beautiful. You can't do it. Prove to me that a sunset is beautiful. You can't prove it. There's this beach in South Carolina that our family loves to go to. And in the, in the fall, there is a point on the beach where you can stand. And as the sun begins to set right behind this island that's just off in the distance... It creates the most beautiful scene. I mean, the sky just lights up with reds and yellows and oranges. And for some reason right there, and I can't explain it all to you, the sun just races down the horizon. It's like it wants to go to bed so fast. And you can watch in 15 minutes the sun just fall down behind this island. And it is the most beautiful scene. I could tell you about it. And you could say, I don't believe it. And I could take you there, stand you on that beach and say, there, I've proven it to you. Look how beautiful it is. You could say, I don't think it's beautiful. Just a fireball in the sky. It's not beautiful. I could take you to the Grand Canyon and I could say, look how wonderful this is. Here's proof of how wonderful this is. And you could say, just a big ditch. You know, someone messed up here. How to build a bridge over it. I could take you on a cruise to the Caribbean and show you crystal clear blue water and say, look how beautiful it is. You could say, can't drink it. Doesn't look that great to me. I could take you to a field with freshly fallen snow and say, look how beautiful that is. You could say, it just looks cold. There's no way to prove the best things in life. And if you're waiting for 
proof of that kind is just not going to come. In the early days of space travel, there was a Russian astronaut who returned to Earth and he said, I have been to space and I looked for God and I didn't see him anywhere. Pastor W.A. Crystal responded and said, let him step out of that spacesuit for one second and he will see God soon enough. <laughs> you can go to space and you will not see God. Yet that does not lessen the reality of God. These angels proclaimed a message and some did not hear the message of the angels or they heard it and they chose to reject it. The second group are those who hear the message, but they hear the wrong message of the angels. Notice what we read starting in verse 17. It said that when they, the shepherds, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and... All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So the shepherds spread the word throughout Bethlehem into the city of Jerusalem. And what happened? All were amazed at their story. But here's what we know. Not all became followers of Christ. Not all suddenly started following Jesus. What were they amazed at? Now the story. The angels. The lights. The music, they were amazed at everything that happened. And my guess is there were some who said this story is so incredible. We need to remember this by celebrating it every year. Really, we ought to every every year have some lights and maybe we should have families that get together and have a meal and remember this incredible event. Maybe we should have some parades and parties. And I know I've got a great idea to celebrate just how amazing this was. Let's give gifts to one another. Local businesses will love that. The Chamber of Commerce will celebrate that. We'll give gifts and we'll have these parties. And we'll have a parade through town celebrating the angels and the light and all that happened on that night. And yet they missed the central message, which was a Savior has been born to you. The majority of our population celebrates Christmas. But what they celebrate is the fanfare. They celebrate the lights and the presents and the praise and the food. And they miss the central message of Christmas. That God has sent a Savior for you. Celebrating, a, uh, celebrating Christmas does not make you a Christian. You cannot look at a nativity scene and say, Well, look at Mary and look at Joseph and look at sweet baby Jesus in the manger that makes me feel so good, so warm inside. That is not enough to become a Christian. Pastor Phillips Brooks, who pastored in Boston in the 1800s, said that Jesus Christ could be born in Bethlehem a thousand times. But if he is not born in your heart, you are eternally lost. To celebrate Christmas and to celebrate all the wrappings and the fanfare is not enough. And there are many in our culture who hear the wrong message of the angels. And then finally, there are some who hear the true message. That's what we read about with Mary. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
Here we see Mary treasuring the message of the angel, pondering that message in her heart. There is no doubt in my mind that the moment that Jesus was born, that she loved Jesus because he was her child. I mean, she, regardless of him coming as her Savior, she loved Jesus simply because he was her son. However, she knew that there was more to this child. She knew because of what the shepherds told her that there was more to this child, that not only was he her son, but he was her Savior as well. And every year she would celebrate the birth of her son, Jesus, but not just celebrate his birthday, but celebrate the fact that he came to pay the price for the sins of the world, including her sin. She heard the true message, and she took that message to heart. When Jesus lived on this earth, he often told parables, these stories with spiritual truths. And he would get to the end of of a parable and he would say this phrase, all who have ears to hear, let them hear. In other words, he would give some deep spiritual truth and some in the crowd would hear that truth and they would take that truth to heart. They would take that truth and they would apply that truth and they would walk away and that truth would change their lives. There were others who would hear the exact same parable of Jesus. They would hear the exact same truths that he proclaimed. They would walk away and would not take it to heart. They would not apply it to their lives. They had ears to hear, but they didn't hear. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. The angels proclaimed a message that night. That God has sent His Son into the world. That an infinite God has come as a finite human being to live among us, to die on the cross, to take our sins, the punishment for our sins, and to reconcile us to God. That is the message of the angels. Here's the question. Do you hear it? Do you hear that message? 